Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast, where we strive to provide great preaching and teaching so that listeners will discover or rediscover the goodness, truth, and beauty of our Catholic faith. If you are interested in supporting the work we are doing, visit us at drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are inspired, uplifted, and encouraged. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the Litany of Trust. My name is Father Adam Potter, and today we have made it to day 11. Before we get started, just a a word of encouragement from the sacred scriptures. This came up recently in the daily mass readings and then in my daily prayer of the breviary, and just a, a really good thing for all of us to take to heart. This is from the 26th chapter of Isaiah. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation which keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock, for he has brought low the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. He lays it low, lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. The foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. This invitation for Judah is um, all about trusting in the Lord, opening up the gates to the city, to the righteous nations and really believing that God has a plan for you, that he trusts in you, believes in you, he wants to bless you, and that you might live with this openness, not just of the gates of the city of Jerusalem, but even the gates of the city of the walls of your heart, amen, so that we might really allow God to have access to our hearts. And we have, as we've talked about, this can be hard because, yeah, maybe we've tried this before and it didn't seem to work out as we were expecting it, and so we've hurt we've been hurt and we've been disappointed. Um, but this word is, is just like really powerful. This is Isaiah 26, uh, 4. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. It is an everlasting rock, right? Just thinking about this immovable, this unshakable, this unwavering, this grounded God, right? Who is this faithfulness, uh, unwavering, unrelenting and continuing to be. This is who God is. He always is. He is the eternal God. Um, Before time began, before space began, before there was matter, before there was anything at all, he was, rather just is, just like always, always is, always has been, and always will be. And so for us, right, like that's the invitation to place our entire lives on him, our rock, our unfailing, unwavering God who gives us life and existence and meaning and purpose and access to his grace and mercy and ultimately to the love that our hearts long for. Just a little bit later on in this chapter, it talks about my soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you, (laughs) right? Here's the problem, brothers and sisters. We have this invitation to place our entire lives on the rock that is God. 
And so often because of original sin, concupiscence, the fickleness of our hearts, we start to waver and we start to wonder if like, well, maybe this looks a little bit more convenient or this looks a little bit quicker, or this looks a little less painful or this looks a little more beneficial. Like whatever it is, we start justifying and time and time again, we waver off and off and off. And the Lord just invites us back to come to him and to really allow him to be the rock that he is, be that steadfast foundation that we might fix our entire lives and find that, that purpose from being united to him. So here we are on day 11, and hopefully this invitation to trust, trust in the Lord forever is becoming more and more familiar. And uh, we're able to see how the Lord is working, not just in our, our prayer, but even in our daily lives to call us to really entrust ourselves to him. Maybe you've had the experience of the threshold of your heart, kind of getting to these places that are uncomfortable, feel like they're just being stretched and maybe to the point of like, I can't take it any further. It's going to break. It's going to break. Kind of like the threshold I think of as kind of a a balloon that you just like uh, blow it up and expand it more and more and more. And it's like, oh, if I blow it up any further, it's going to pop. It's like slow, right? Slow. We just allow more and more of the life breath of God and this invitation to trust in him to slowly expand that wall of the balloon Uh, that wall of our heart, that we might be able to trust in him more and more. And so today is a a really powerful invitation to allow that threshold of our heart to be expanded more and more. For today, in day 11, we pray, from disbelief in your love and presence, deliver me, Jesus. In this day, we really go to the heart of how do we see, how do we see who God is? How do we understand God's working in our lives? How do we understand what he's doing, where he is, how he's working, how he's bringing about a greater good, and to really appreciate how easy it is for us to have the experience, the feeling that he's far away, that he's far away from us. And this is especially true in difficult times, in tragedies, and sometimes it's like, Oh, just a number of these tragedies, if you were to space them out, would be like more than a person could handle in their entire lives. And some of you I know who are listening to this, it's like you've had a number of those tragedies all just packed into just a matter of months. And it's like, surely, surely a good God couldn't exist and allow this or stand by. He couldn't actually allow for this. And so... What, what can happen is, based on our experience, it can be so tempting to believe that, or to be convinced that he's not present, he's far away, or at best, indifferent to us and what we're going through. And this can be really dangerous. The, the story that Sister Faustina tells about her own mother is heartbreaking on the one hand, the betrayal of her husband and then all of a sudden being alone, having to raise her family and navigate that whole situation on her own. And to really appreciate, yeah, if if I have this experience of being abandoned abandoned by someone who made this promise to be with me in good times and bad, and there it is broken, and that God would seemingly stand by and allow for this. It's like, Lord, you obviously don't care. You obviously don't 
don't care, or you would do something. And in a powerful way, filled with all this anger and resentment, she was able to read an insight from St. Faustina, who in her diary wrote, Let no soul fear to draw near to me, even though its sins be as scarlet. And here was this inbreaking of grace into her life. Into this is Sister Faustina's mother. And she just was overwhelmed by recognizing God's grace and how and she had be, really been the one who had been keeping God at a distance through her own anger her, and her own bitterness. And, and then therefore coming to be in this place of sin. And so... That the invitation was, let no soul fear to draw near to me, even though its sin, sins be a scarlet, was this glorious breakthrough of her heart just to be able to come to the Lord and weeping and just praying, Jesus, from this day forward, I want to be your friend. Brothers and sisters, a really good set of questions. How do we recognize God's presence? How do we know? How do we know that God is truly present to us, actually with us, working, bringing about a greater good, as opposed to giving into the the idea that he's not interested, he's not present, doesn't care. Here's something that uh, I've had come up in my own life and observing it many, many times. It's just this idea of the narrative that we can come to believe about our, our own life and about how God is interacting with us. Um, here's an here's an analogy. Uh, last well, right now I'm the chaplain of Sarah Catholic High School, small um, small Catholic high school east of the city of Pittsburgh in McKeesport. And last year, especially, they just had an incredible football team. They went all the way to the state championships um, and came in second to this incredible powerhouse on the East Coast. And there was this one game in the playoffs that was uh, way up north, had to travel like over an hour to get there. And so here we are away and just up against like a hostile environment, hostile team. And in this away crowd, you had just a number of calls from the referees that went directly against the Sarah Catholic Eagles. And it was fascinating, right? Because immediately the fans start to feel like everyone's against them. It's like kind of maybe giving into a a stereotype that, oh, here are these like rich Catholics coming up thinking they own the place and and we're going to serve them. And so all of a sudden the the fans just start booing. The fans start yelling out at the refs, different calls like, oh, come on, ref, open your eyes. Or ref, how how much are you making? I'll double it, right? The insinuation that they're being paid to like rig the game. And and it was interesting because all of a sudden this kind of mentality got in the whole section of the Sarah Catholic side. And it was so easy to believe picking out a couple points that the whole situation, the whole game, the refs were against us. Now, meanwhile, the reality was there were a couple bad calls. <laughs> there were a couple bad calls. There were also a couple bad calls that went the other way too. And yet the what's interesting is what's the narrative that I choose to believe because sometimes the narrative that's easy to believe is the one that's immediately uh, consoling and gratifying and brings about this pleasure of I'm being wronged. 
And what's harder is to believe a, a deeper narrative that's not just like easy to grasp, well, picking out a couple data points, this play here, this bad call here, and this other, but to actually look at the intricate details of the whole game, of the whole reality, and realize, oh, it's much more, it's much more intricate than this. So if you're with me right now, and I haven't lost you talking about like narratives, uh, so too in our, our own lives, it can be really easy maybe to look at a number of tragedies, a number of difficult situations, maybe a couple of disappointments in our life, a couple opportunities that didn't go our way. And we can come to really just focus on, yep, this point whenever I was young and I had this this tragedy. And then when I got to college, I lost this person. And then when I got here, this horrible thing happened. And then all of a sudden I was diagnosed with this. And And it's like, and God clearly has never been a part of my life. And that's a narrative. That's a narrative, and that can be a very attractive narrative because, um, again, for a number of reasons. On the one hand, it's not completely wrong in terms of the the difficult things, but it's not the full picture, that there's a deeper, truer narrative that we're invited to see, A a deeper narrative that goes beyond just our immediate emotions or even our experience so often today there's so much emphasis based on our experience is reality our experience is reality what we feel is reality now our experiences can be really powerful our emotions can be really informative and yet they don't tell the whole story they don't give the whole picture what we need to look at is a deeper view of supernatural faith to be able to look at what are the grace moments of my whole life, of these moments? What's the fruit that's being born from these difficult moments? Just one example, right, is um, perhaps someone in your family is diagnosed with a cancer out of nowhere, and all of a sudden what what looked like an expectation of another long long set of years for this person. Now all of a sudden is brought down to just a couple of months. And there can be a lot of bitterness, like, Lord, where are you? What are you doing? And with all of the prayers, with all the intercessions, rosaries being prayed, masses being offered, there can be what seems like a real disappointment. Whenever that beloved family member, whoever it is, dies and are no longer with, with you, And it can seem like God couldn't be more distant. But perhaps we miss what is actually this infusion of mercy and of grace. For example, the reality that this person who was expecting to have a lot longer time in this world had an incredible come-to-Jesus moment where they were able to invite the priest in and receive the, the last rites and have a good confession and receive this sacrament of anointing. And and maybe too, there was an opportunity to reconcile with different family members and have these moments of, I love you. I forgive you. I'm sorry for this. And I wish I would have done more. And all of a sudden there's reconciliation that's happening that perhaps never would have happened if not for this. And all of a sudden the family's coming together and all of a sudden there's these real moments of healing. And it's like, but they're gone. It's like, right, (laughs) but they're not, right? 
our faith it reminds us that eternity is the true perspective that God has, and, and we need to remember that God sees this short, short, short time on this world as just a preparation to be with him forever. And if our loved one was given the opportunity to die in a state of grace and to be with him, then God is present. He's working. He's working powerfully. It's not all the, all the time consoling, because to really not have a loved one with you anymore is deeply painful. But to be able to see what's the true reality of, of what's going on, what's the actual narrative. She says, on, Sister Fasina says on the top of page 71, some really, really good insights. Um, feelings are not bad, but as changing, they cannot be the lantern that guides us. We come to truly know God, not through our feelings, but in the faith that is forged in believing in him. Say the last part again. We come to know God, truly know God, not through our feelings, but in the faith that is forged in believing in Him. She goes on to say that trust is staked on the fact that God is present no matter what we feel. That's a great one to really take hold of. So think about it. The last time that you spent some time in, in prayer, maybe you've taken the time to pray a rosary. Or maybe just open up your, your Bible and read some of the scriptures. Or maybe you made a visit to the Blessed Sacrament in church. And how tempting was it to base the efficacy, the powerfulness of, or the fruitfulness of your prayer based on what you felt, based on what you got out of it, or any insights that you had, or any consoling feelings that, that, that you had? And, and again, it's not that feelings don't have anything to do with it. They can be kind of the raw material of recognizing God's presence. So often, though, because God is pure spirit, what we need to look at is not just the feelings that we have or the experience of that prayer, but to make these acts of trust, of faith, that I know, because my faith tells me, that when I'm in, in church, I'm in the house of God, in that Jesus says, um, my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. And so we know in that Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Actually, independent of how we feel, we know that he's there, which is super amazing. Um, same too with the, with the prayer like the rosary, that we know whenever we pray, even if we don't feel, and we know Mary is there, that she's listening to us. What a glorious thing for us to really take to heart that when I say this angelic greeting, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you, that I might really say that as if she's right there and I can uh, praise her with the same praise that Gabriel gave to her. So just to focus this, focus this in, right? Where do we need this prayer, right? This petition today from the disbelief in your love and presence. Where do I experience a disbelief in God's love and his presence? What are those different moments in my life? Is there anything that has too much difficulty, too much suffering, too much loss? Is there anything that's too ordinary, banal, trivial, ordinary, that I, that I would think, oh, no, he, he couldn't care about, about this either? And to really renounce that, right? <laughs> that, that we know that God became man 
and it wasn't full of glorious to glorious lights and background music and flashing disco fog music or fog that's not a real thing fog music a fog machine right like do we think that if jesus of nazareth would have walked by us that we would have recognized him sometimes we think he would have been glowing or floating or just like angelic beings would have been surrounding him in a way that like oh like oh that's clearly jesus there's a really, 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 really good chance based on the gospel accounts that we too would have walked right by him because so many other people walked right by Jesus and didn't recognize him in their midst. And so that's a, it's a really uh, interesting, challenging thing for us to consider that just as Jesus of Nazareth was an ordinary man, looked like a, an ordinary Jewish man in the Middle East, that he would have been walking along and it really would have taken faith to believe in him and an open heart to be able to listen to his words and to hear not only the words that came from his humanity, but also to hear the eternal word that came from the heart of the Trinity, that I'd be open to hearing these parables about the kingdom, to hear about these insights into loving one's neighbor, about fulfilling the law, about glorifying God, about not holding a a light under a bushel basket, um, about, you know, all the teachings. And to be able to hear that truly is coming from the very heart of God. So I think in this, Sister Faustina gives us the great transition to go to Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. A great one to be able to pray with is uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And to really be able to pray with how Jesus reveals himself as the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. And to really allow these words to come from our God right to our hearts. And independent of what we have experienced or what we felt or the easy narrative to think that because of these difficult things or because of these situations that have left me with great difficulty or travail, I make this act of faith that I know, Lord God, and I I believe that you were right there. Speaking of the good shepherd, I just can't help but think about Psalm 23 talk about this as a real act of faith. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are at my side with your rod and your staff. You give me courage. You give me comfort, right? Walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's dark. I can't see anything. And you and I being the sheep that need a lot of help, not able to navigate on our own are so liable to go off course to get off that eternal rock that is the Lord. And yet we're invited to really listen with the ears of our heart for the voice of the shepherd leading us through that dark valley to listen to his rod, his rod that's just click, 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 going through that dark valley. Though we might be attentive to that and stay true, stay true and uh, follow him to be able to lead us through. This is what we need to do. Renounce the lies. Renounce the lies that even though I don't feel love, it's not the same as 
I'm not loved. And even if I feel alone, it's not the same that I am alone. That we can renounce those lies of those experiences and make these acts of faith. I know who you are, God. I know you are, are the eternal God. I know that you are faithful. I know that you have said that you will be with us always until the end of time. And I believe that you are here. And even if I can't see you, even if I can't experience you, I trust in your presence and I trust in your mercy that you are bringing about something more glorious than I could ever realize in this moment or even this side of eternity. So spend some time with these invitations. I think these one, um, these ones especially are really good. That first one is just really being able to not be afraid to make these acts of faith and to acknowledge, where do I feel unloved? Where do I feel alone? And to ask Jesus to show you how he's already present with you there. With this idea of the narrative, what a great thing just to, to really bring to Jesus. Like, here's what I experienced. Here's what I, what I felt in these moments of suffering, in these moments of loss. I didn't think that you were there. Where were you? And in prayer to ask the Lord to rewrite the narrative for him to be able to show what looked like tragedy only, what looked like abandonment was actually blank was, was actually the Lord wants to show you. He wants to tell you what, um, what his plan really is and where he was and what he was doing. And for us to give him a chance to do that, I just think would be transformative and, and renouncing these lies, um, and the temptation to disbelief. And that second invitation too is so good. Even in our anger, sister Faustina says, Jesus shows us our worth. That Jesus is not afraid of the quiet, passive anger, or even the blatant, aggressive anger that can arise in the human heart. In fact, he's honored when we can come to him in it. Like a parent who treasures that their child trusts them enough to reveal what is causing them pain. Right? That it's when we bring these things to the Lord, even though in our anger or whatever the, the emotion might be, it might feel like he, he's not here or we might not want to think that he wants anything to do with it and being able to relate it to him, we're able to find him there. We're able to find him there. He knows our hearts. And if it's an injustice that's caused us to, to be angry, he recognizes it and he wants to bring about the perfect justice that is him and that he will bring about in uh, the culmination of the end of the world. So powerful, powerful chapter. Yeah, I hope this can be a, a, a great one for you, as I know it's been for me, just praying through this and uh, expanding that threshold of my own heart. Okay, let's pray. Let's go to this litany and continue to open up our hearts, inviting God's grace and mercy in to transform us and give us the freedom to trust in him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The Litany of Trust. From the disbelief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, 
Deliver me, Jesus. From rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will, deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future, deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and presence, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus. That you are continually holding me, sustaining me, loving me. Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me. Jesus, I trust in you. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are with me in my suffering. Jesus, I trust in you. That my suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will not leave me orphan. That you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you. That your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you. That you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me all the strength I need for what is asked. Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord and my God. Jesus, I trust in you. That I am your beloved one. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode. To learn more about Drybones Ministries, events, and initiatives, and to support this podcast, go to drybonespgh.org. Thanks, and God bless you.